Hi, Anxiety Masters. Welcome back to A Slice of Life. This is the Anxiety Master Podcast. I'm Dominic Decker, a British registered therapist, here to help you live a calm, strong and confident life. Today's topic is particularly close to my heart, helping anxious children. Childhood anxiety, which affects about one in eight children, is a widespread issue that's often not fully understood. I frequently hear from parents seeking guidance to support their anxious child. Now, while I can offer support, as the significant adults in a child's life, parents will have the most significant influence in aiding their child's progress. So in this episode, I'll share thoughts and strategies for parents and caregivers looking to support an anxious child. Drawing from my experience as a former primary school teacher and well-being coordinator in a secondary school, I understand the need for practical, actionable steps. So it's practical ideas that we'll cover today. Briefly, A Slice of Life is our direct dialogue between you and I. This show runs without sponsors, relying on your support. So if you find today's content helpful, please consider leaving a review to help others discover our community. Also, don't forget to check the show notes for a link to the original article and a free PDF version of today's episode. Okay, let's dive in. I want to start by talking about the emotional tug of an anxious child. Now, as a parent or carer, your greatest hope is to see your child grow, adapt and navigate life hurdles with competence. It's immensely relieving when your child courageously adjusts to their environment and their success affirms your nurturing role reassuring you that your child is progressing towards finding their place in the world. Conversely, standing by helplessly as your child grapples with anxiety can be deeply distressing. In these circumstances, various questions may emerge. Have I failed them? Or could I have done something differently? Is it my fault? And how can I help this precious little being? If these concerns resonate, you're not alone and you've done nothing wrong. In fact, your self-reflection indicates a genuine desire to help your child grow and learn. So, to support your child, you first must understand anxiety and then view it from your child's perspective. So let's just briefly cover an Anxiety 101. A degree of anxiety is essential, defined as a feeling of worry or unease about something with an uncertain outcome. Fear or uneasiness motivates us to act upon concerns avoid careless decisions, and step back from dangerous acts. I mean, taking foolish risks would be expected without anxiety as a behaviour modifier, and we wouldn't have come very far as a species. So, anxiety, in moderation, is in fact beneficial for your child. Yet our goal is to help your child manage this survival mechanism effectively. So let's talk about understanding childhood anxiety and recognising triggers as a means of beginning to offer some support. So anxiety arises when a child perceives a physical or psychological threat and believes they lack the necessary skills or resources to manage it. And this stress response typically manifests as a child feeling unsafe and fearing uncertain or unfamiliar situations. Anxiety can be considered a helpful warning system However, for overly anxious children, the alarms are often triggered by non-existent or exaggerated dangers. And the cause of alarm can vary significantly among children. So, early life encounters may fuel a child's vigilance to danger. For instance, prior teasing experience may inhibit a child's expression for fear of further ridicule or rejection. 
or if a child has had to confront distressing situations or has witnessed others, maybe parents or siblings, struggling, they might anticipate their failure or inability to cope, especially if this is the model that they've had set for them. As a result, a child may avoid the very situations they need to confront to calm themselves down, and thus the threat remains unabated and the anxiety continues unchallenged. Now, childhood anxiety can manifest in various ways, or for instance, it can be fear of being left alone in bed, especially in the dark, or separation anxiety, such as feeling distressed when saying goodbye at the school gates. It might be social phobia, displayed as intense shyness or unwillingness to speak in front of peers or hesitation to interact for fear of making mistakes. It can be selective mutism, and this is an extreme fear of speaking that compels the child to remain silent. There are specific phobias, such as fear of the dark or unfamiliar animals, loud noises or imaginary monsters, essentially anything unknown or unpredictable. And then we have obsessive compulsive tendencies. These might be recurrent unwanted thoughts and or repetitive behaviours. Understanding that false alarms rather than real dangers trigger most fears can help you better assist your child in managing anxiety. Now against this backdrop, here are some of the first steps you can implement with your child to address anxiety. So step number one involves clarifying the message that your child receives. So children learn from adults what is safe and what is not. They also learn from significant figures when and how to react anxiously. So if we broadcast anxiety, this is what children will pick up. Now to mitigate this, We can start by observing a child's environment and the messages they receive from their surroundings. For instance, is the child exposed to anxious individuals, for example within the family? And if an adult consistently displays anxiety, a child might internalise this behaviour as a normal response. It's worth noting that adults unintentionally transmit anxiety to children in many ways, and these aren't all obvious. For example, perhaps being overly protective or rushing to the rescue too quickly, or permitting the child to avoid challenging situations. Or whilst these behaviours are usually well meant, they unintentionally signal to the child that persistent danger exists and risks must be avoided. Because, well, the underlying message becomes, the world is unsafe, you'd best be careful. To the young mind, this message complicates the ability to adopt personal control and manage transitions or new situations, and this just reinforces the cycle of anxiety. So by understanding these dynamics, you can adjust your responses to promote a degree of risk-taking, instead of avoidance or fear of failure. With this in mind, here are some questions to consider. How and when might my child be receiving anxious messages from their environment? What can I do to mitigate these messages? And do I demonstrate a measured and positive attitude to risk-taking? The second step is to check the information and the specifics. So this next step is to converse with your child about their specific fears. In other words, you must identify the source or the underlying belief that fuels your child's anxiety. This is the investigative work, the persistent information-gathering phase to help you and your child articulate their concerns. So why is this significant? Because it's not uncommon for children to misinterpret information 
and the confusion of misinterpretation may cause unnecessary anxiety. For instance, a child might develop a fear of germs or disease if they've been exposed to partial or misleading information without a thorough explanation. As a result, a child may draw incorrect conclusions and develop unfounded worries. So as the parent or carer, your role involves resolving to understand your child's fears precisely. So after clarifying their worries, you want to collaborate with your child to construct a plan. And this plan will outline what you can do if your child's fears become a reality. So let's imagine your child fears answering questions in class because they're worried about getting the answer wrong and upsetting their teacher. So this worry keeps them silent, even when they know the answers. To understand the specifics, you might begin with a calm, patient conversation about their classroom fears. You might ask, can you tell me about what happens when you think about answering a question in class? They might express their fear that a wrong answer would upset their teacher or invite ridicule from their peers. Now, These articulated worries often reveal a disproportionate fear of a modest threat. So next, gently explore the realism of these fears. We might ask, has the teacher ever responded angrily to a wrong answer? Or has a peer ever mocked a mistake? Establishing a fact-based foundation for these fears is crucial to determine if they're amplified purely by anxiety or whether they're rooted in an actual event. If these fears are mostly anxiety-induced, it's time to construct a supportive action plan with your child. So this might involve role-playing a class scenario. Or you could play the role of the teacher, reacting with understanding and encouragement when your child, playing themselves, answers a question incorrectly. This role-play humanises the teacher's role and demonstrates that mistakes are learning opportunities, not just occasions for fear or shame. It shows your child as well that wrong answers can lead to understanding and progress, not just ridicule or reprimands. And through this process, your child learns that their fear can be managed, their teacher is there to guide them, and their classroom is a safe space for learning, even when they make mistakes. And if the fear persists, you can ask your child what they want you to do. Now talk the options through to their logical conclusion and assure your child that the matter can be resolved. This proactive involvement in addressing their fears boosts their confidence and provides practical coping strategies and reduces anxiety. Now as a rule, these parent-child conversations work best during calm and quiet times well ahead of potentially stressful situations. Or for instance, Sunday evenings provide enough time to review the upcoming week and any concerns your child may have. So in this sense, it's almost like you can get ahead of a problem and you can create a solution as opposed to reacting to the fallout once it's already occurred. I hope this makes sense. The next step, step three, is what we often refer to as graded exposure. This is where we gradually expose ourselves to the fear and we tackle them step by step. So one effective strategy to help a child cope with their anxiety is through this process of graded exposure. Well, this technique involves breaking down the situation that causes fear into smaller, more manageable steps. You might think of it as teaching a child to swim. Instead of pushing them in at the deep end, you start in the shallow area then gradually go towards deeper waters as they become more comfortable and confident. Well, let's consider a few examples. If a child is scared of dogs, 
the initial step could be showing them pictures of dogs. Once they're comfortable with this, you could progress to watching videos of dogs. Then the next step could be observing a dog from a distance in a safe environment. Eventually, they might be ready to pet a friendly dog under supervision. If a child experiences separation anxiety at school, you could start by spending a few hours at school with them. Over time, you can gradually reduce your presence, perhaps stay in a different room, then the school lobby, and finally start leaving them at school for increasing lengths of time. For a child with social anxiety, you might start by encouraging playdates with a single friend, and once they're comfortable with one-on-one interactions, you could gradually introduce more friends into the playdate. This could progress to a more extensive social setting, like birthday parties or school events. It's crucial to acknowledge and celebrate every success, no matter how modest. Immediate celebrations of progress provide positive reinforcement and encourage your child to continue their efforts. And celebration sharing might involve cooking your child's favourite meal, or spending quality time together, or participating in a fun after-school activity. Now, focusing your child's attention on their progress as they gradually confront their fears will validate their effort and bolster their courage to take the next step. The intention is to help the child experience success and reassurance as they gradually face their fears. So by rewarding the progress, you validate the effort and this is what bolsters their courage to take the next step. Our next step, step four, is to master calm. Teach your child how to breathe. Now, breathing exercises are incredibly effective tools for managing anxiety. And teaching your child these techniques can give them a valuable skill to self-soothe when they start feeling anxious. Breathing deeply and consciously signals to the body that there's no immediate danger and thus helps to reduce feelings of fear and panic. Many children and adults are unaware of their breathing patterns and how they either calm or exacerbate anxious responses. Start by demonstrating and practicing these exercises with your child during calm moments. This could include techniques like slow, deep breathing, or square breathing. This is where you breathe in for a count of four, hold for a count of four, breathe out for a count of four, and hold for a count of four. Making these kinds of exercises part of your daily routine, perhaps during quiet moments in the morning or before bed at night. The goal here is to ensure that when anxiety strikes, your child will be equipped with these calming techniques. I'll go into this further in a future episode. Perhaps we can cover some detailed exercises and techniques that you can practice with your child in order to equip them with some additional tools to manage those moments of anxiety effectively. Moving on to step five, this is perhaps one of my favourite steps. This was always a a wonderful activity to carry out with anxious children when I was working, particularly in primary schools. And it really involves harnessing your child's imagination. Because what we're doing here is learning to turn a potential enemy into an ally. So children possess vivid and potent imaginations. They use this creative force to explore, learn and play. However, when it comes to anxiety, this imagination can sometimes become a double-edged sword because imaginative children may create unfavourable scenarios in their minds and believe these to be a reality which can exacerbate their worry. 
So here's a hands-on exercise that I found to be particularly effective in helping children comprehend and balance their imagination. To begin, you might choose a thought-provoking image. So start by sharing a thought-provoking image with your child, something that inspires creativity. One of my favourites for this is Salvador Dali's surreal painting, Swans Reflecting Elephants. Next, ask your child some open-ended questions about the image, such as, what do you think's happening in this picture? Or why do you think the swans are reflecting as elephants in the water? Or what could this picture represent? Now, you really want to encourage your child's imagination to run wild here. Let them weave a story around the image. Their narrative doesn't have to make sense. The point is to let their imagination run free and to demonstrate its power. Once you've done this, we want to connect the imagination to anxiety. So, once they've spun a tale, point out how active their imagination is and gently suggest that this imaginative power might sometimes paint scary pictures related to their anxiety triggers. For instance, they might imagine failing a test even though they've prepared well. And then you want to discuss how to balance this power of imagination. So we're going to discuss how this creative power can be used positively, such as brainstorming solutions for their concerns or visualising success in confronting their fears. This discussion will help them understand that while their imagination can cause worry, it can also be harnessed for problem solving and resilience. This exercise encourages children to recognise the extent of their imaginative power and its influence on their anxiety. And by doing so, they can learn to balance this power and use it positively to cope with and overcome anxiety. Our next step, step six, involves boosting resilience and the role of exercise and diet. So maintaining physical health through regular exercise and a balanced diet is essential in managing anxiety in children. Let's delve into some specifics to understand better how these elements contribute to a child's mental well-being. Exercise helps naturally boost mood and reduce stress by promoting the release of endorphins. These are the body's feel-good hormones. It also serves as a healthy outlet for children to express their emotions and relieve stress. For instance, encouraging your child to participate in a sport they enjoy provides an opportunity for regular exercise. It's also a social outlet and a chance to develop resilience and confidence. Activities like cycling, swimming or even simply playing in the park can significantly reduce feelings of anxiety. So integrating regular, fun, physical activity into your child's routine is a practical way to alleviate anxiety symptoms. In addition, yoga and mindfulness-based exercises are beneficial for children struggling with anxiety. They promote self-awareness, emotional regulation and also relaxation. So a simple daily routine that includes stretching or basic yoga poses can profoundly affect a child's mental health. Now, I'm at risk of coming across as patronising here because, well, we're all bombarded regularly with information about the importance of diet. But just a few words on how certain foods can influence mood, energy levels and the overall ability to manage anxiety. So foods rich in omega-3 fatty acids, such as salmon, walnuts and flax seeds, support brain health and improve mood. So incorporating these foods into your child's diet can help manage anxiety symptoms. 
We also want to ensure that we're having a variety of whole grains like oats and brown rice because these help maintain steady blood sugar levels and offer a stable energy supply. Spikes and crashes in blood sugar levels can worsen anxiety and these foods can be beneficial in regulating mood and balancing glycemia. A healthy gut has also been linked to lower anxiety levels. So incorporate foods rich in probiotics such as yogurt, kefir or fermented vegetables like kimchi or sauerkraut into your child's diet to foster a healthier gut. You also want to ensure that your child stays hydrated. Dehydration can cause fatigue and affect concentration and this heightens anxiety in some children. And you also of course want to limit the intake of caffeine and sugar which can spike energy levels and lead to crashes and slumps that exacerbate feelings of anxiety. Now keep in mind that making any dietary changes should be a gradual process tailored to your child's preferences to ensure sustainability. While it might seem like common knowledge, the impact of nutrition on a child's ability to manage anxiety really can't be overstated. Maintaining a balance of physical health through exercise and a balanced diet helps foster resilience and it equips your child with the necessary energy to manage their anxiety effectively. So implementing the prior steps will help your child to calm emotional distress. It's worth noting that your role as the significant adult in your child's life will profoundly affect how your child deals with anxiety. So one of the primary duties of a parent or carer is to teach your child that life involves tolerating a degree of anxiety. Okay, so I hope you found this useful up until now and we're moving towards the conclusion. So helping your child navigate the stormy seas of anxiety is often challenging. Implementing the steps outlined in today's episode will significantly impact your child's attitude towards stress and anxiety. So here's a roundup. Remember these key points. Understand your child's perception of threats. Then verify their fears. Utilise this concept of gradual exposure. Teach them calming techniques. Help them maintain a healthy lifestyle and help them learn to harness the power of their imagination. Now, your influence and support are invaluable as the primary adult figure in your child's life. This is your reactions and behaviours and attitudes will significantly affect how your child responds to anxiety. Now, when you model calmness and resilience in the face of uncertainty, you provide a powerful blueprint for your child to emulate. The parenting journey may have its share of hiccups and progress may sometimes seem slow. Still, it's essential to teach your child that life, by design, involves tolerating a degree of uncertainty. So by demonstrating that you can face uncertainties with composure and good nature, you demonstrate one of the most valuable life skills, resilience. And this is really the ability to bounce back from hardships and challenges. Anxiety doesn't have to define your child's life. With the right tools, guidance and support, and hopefully we've covered some today, they can learn to manage their stress and stride confidently through the world. And you have the power to guide them on this path. Okay, so that pretty much wraps up today. I just want to say a few words about acknowledging when professional help is necessary. So whilst today's episode has offered some practical strategies for managing your child's anxiety, of course they're not a substitute sometimes for professional assistance in severe cases. 
So anxiety is typical, but when it severely limits your child's daily life, schoolwork and social interactions, professional help may be required. When persistent worry or avoidance behaviours, sleep issues and physical symptoms like chronic stomach aches or headaches can indicate the need for professional guidance. This is where healthcare providers like psychologists, psychiatrists or clinical social workers and paediatricians are well equipped to diagnose and treat childhood anxiety disorders. Notably, paediatricians can often spot mental health issues first, providing valuable referrals to specialists if needed. So remember, the strategies in this episode today can bolster but not replace professional treatment for severe anxiety. Intense or persistent anxiety disorders will sometimes necessitate professional intervention. So if you're worried about your child's anxiety, always consult a healthcare provider or a qualified mental health professional. If you have any questions about today's episode, please don't hesitate to contact me. My email is dom at anxietymaster.org. I read and respond to all of my emails. I'd be delighted to hear from you. Take care and I'll see you again soon.